Hi, everyone. This is Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Camilla Shayla, Associate Professor at the University of Copenhagen, and Dr. Christian Wolfram, Professor in the Department of Health, Science, and Technology at ETH Zurich. Dr. Shayla and Dr. Wolfram recently joined us to discuss the physiology of brown adipose tissue and share late-breaking research on the role of brown fat in whole body metabolic regulation. Okay, let's get right into it. So you talked about the ability of brown and white adipocytes to interconvert, but are there actually more types of adipocytes besides beige and white ones? Uh, this is actually an excellent question, and I guess I would say yes, there probably are. The thing is that it will require further analysis and single-cell analysis of mature adipocyte fractures to actually define what other types exist, and if there are really other types or whether they just resemble certain states of an adipocyte. I cannot give you a definite answer at the moment, but uh, I, from everything I've seen, I believe that there's probably various other types that we have not yet identified. Excellent. Thanks, Christian. Next question is for Camilla. It's about applications of this research. Camilla, do you think it's possible to utilize these mechanisms to treat obesity? So it's very clear that there's an effect in mice on obesity if you activate the thermogenesis. In humans, there it's a little bit more complicated because you usually don't put a human into four degree room for three weeks. And uh, also the, the amount of brown adipose tissue in, in humans are also smaller. However, there is a clear in, clearly an effect on human metabolism if you, if you activate thermogenesis. If, for example, we have uh, seen from intervention studies, either using cooling or pharmacological stimulation of beta adrenergic uh, signaling, that this increases energy expenditure and it also improves insulin sensitivity. Uh, so there's definitely potential. Uh, I think also we need to look into more the roles of uh, secreted factors, biotokines, how, how they affect metabolism. They can interact with different organs. There is also an example of a pathway where you have the gut peptide secretin that uh, actually signals via activating brown fat and then mediates a satiety signal of the brain. I mean, in the long-term perspective, I'm, I'm quite certain that we will see an effect on how brown fat regulates body weight. Excellent. Great answer. And here's a, I guess, a similar question, but Christian, I'll direct this one to you. Is the amount of uh, bat in adult humans not too small to have an impact on metabolism? This is, this is actually a question. Uh, if you think about it, how do we gain weight, right? Nobody gains 10 kilos uh, in a few weeks. You gain two to three kilos a year. That basically boils down to 50 kilocalories a day, one cookie or something like that. And that's actually not a lot. And uh, that could easily be utilized, this, this little bit of energy by brown fat, right? So we are talking more about a preventive angle. On the other hand, if you want to really lose fat, it would also take a while. And you must never compensate by overeating this extra amount of food. So I think we'll have to see. Probably uh, the biggest advantage will be a combination of weight uh, lost drugs that uh, induce satiety, maybe in addition to uh, drugs that activate brown fat to enhance energy expenditure. 
Excellent. All right. Here's here's a good question that came in from, from Karen. She's asked, why is it that hormonal activation of BAT is so much stronger than cold stimulus? Uh, so Camilla, this goes back to the, the start of your presentation, so I'll direct it to you. Uh, so I assume that this is concerning the, the picture that we see in the fuchromocytoma case. So this is not a normal situation. So uh, this is a disease situation where you have a chronic, highly elevated levels of, of norepinephrine pumping out from the adrenal gland. So this explains why it's so uh, powerful. Uh, in the normal situation, it's uh, the activation goes uh, mainly through the sympathetic activation. So it's directly targeted to the brown adipocytes. But when that is said, it's also, uh, they're also healthy uh, interventions that shows that, I mean, for example, if you go uh, winter swimming, putting yourself into cold water, this will also give you a shock and, and will also give you like a hormonal onset of uh, adrenergic activation. So then you will have a more uh, targeting of the of the vascularized adipose tissue, I would uh, assume. Excellent. All right. Great answer. Um, here's an interesting question. We, well, we have a, had a couple questions already come in about exercise. Can exercise influence interconversion of white adipocytes to brown ones? Or also, you know, what's the relationship between exercise and bat activity? Christian, maybe you can lead this one. Yeah, so, so I, I think this is not yet fully resolved. There is a, a very interesting study from the Spiegelman lab suggesting that irisin is, is a myokine uh, that induces browning. There has been more recent work that just came out recently suggesting that whether it induces interconversion or de novo formation from specific precursors I, I, is, is, I think, not clear yet. On the other hand, we have to be careful because exercise might also influence metabolism per se and thereby change how the fat is is, is composed and uh, uh, indirectly change in the conversion. It, it's, I don't think it's fully resolved. Um, there is some evidence that there might be an induction of bright or beige adipocytes in relation to exercise, but the exact mechanism is, is uh, also it's difficult. <laughs> Excellent. Um, another question here, Camilla, a bit of a basic question here, but can you just clarify what exactly are batokines and what are some examples of them? So uh, batokines are, are simply just proteins, or it could also be lipids have been called batokines, but we, let's say factors that are secreted from brown adipocytes and have a, a role of activating either acting uh, in an in a paracrine fashion or endocrine or autocrine so it's a, a wide i would say wide uh, concept of factors coming out from brown adipocytes and signaling to other cells so uh, for example uh, we have identified a batokine called epdr1 that that mediates thermogenic determination and then there are other examples would be um, FGF21 uh, secreted from, actually, we haven't really seen it much secreted from human brown adipocytes, but it's well established it comes from uh, in, in mice, it's uh, secreted and in humans, it's probably coming mo more from the liver, it seems. So uh, yeah, there are a handful of factors that are, are identified. IL-6 has also been mentioned as a, as a biotokine and is of course also a myokine. So it's a more of a factor that can uh, come from several different cell types. All right, perfect. 
question here for Christian. Why was it that cold-exposed fathers contributed to bat activity in offspring more so than the mothers? So we don't fully know. What we, what we know is that the cold seems to reprogram the epigenetic memory of the sperm. And this leads to a change in both brown adipose tissue innervations, we're really talking rather about a developmental phenotype. Yeah? Uh, so the epigenetic reprogramming in sperm induces a reprogramming and development that induces the innervation of the brown adipose tissue and the vascularization, thereby leading to higher activatability, I would call it. And on the other hand, it seems to also shift the precursor balance, which is a bit more what Camilla talked about, but probably some of the pathways she's working on are involved there. So you, you see higher formation of brown cells from adipocyte precursors suggesting that uh, this this insult uh, or this this change in physiology elicits a change in the precursor pool or reprograms the precursor pool. We don't really know this. Uh, this is probably due to the fact that sperm is much more easily reprogrammable than, uh, in a, than an egg. So this is why probably that is a paternal transmission rather than a maternal transmission. We don't know exactly how the cold stimulus is sensed, whether this is also coming from the beta-adrenergic system or whether there are other temperature sensors uh, involved at the testes that could uh, explain this result. But yeah, so, so especially the epigenetic memory as a paternal driver is, is what we've seen. That's why it's more paternal and exclusively paternal, not just more. It's exclusively paternal and non-maternal. Excellent. Great answer. Camilla, I've got a question for you. What, what is it about pararenal brown fat that functionally distinguishes it from other brown fat depots? I don't think that it's really known what the differences are besides the location. I mean, we've, when we looked at the tissue sections, it, it looks very similar to what we see in the supraclavicular region. And also the, when we isolate the, the preadipocytes and the differentiate them, they're also uh, very similar. So we haven't, we haven't seen uh, a very big difference actually, uh, but we haven't, we haven't uh, compared them globally to each other either, but we are in the process of doing that. So I think we will know more in, in some time. Excellent. Another question here. So more broadly, maybe than exercise, but does weight gain or loss affect brown adipose tissue in humans? Christian, I'll direct this one to you first. This is actually really an excellent question. We really don't know yet what the chicken and what the egg is, right? I mean, we know that you, people with less weight or less fat mass tend to have more brown adipose tissue and vice versa. So you, we can argue that these people who have more brown fat tend to gain less weight. Uh, we can also argue that somehow weight loss induces brown adipose tissue formation, maybe to compensate for the missing insulation. So this is something we will really need to figure out in the future, especially for humans, if the brown adipose tissue correlation to obesity is due to the fact that the weight loss drives adipose tissue brown adipose tissue browning, or whether the amount of accessible brown adipose tissue induces the ability to lose weight. Now, I'm sorry, I can't give you a more clear answer, especially not for humans. In mice, it really seems to be that browning drives weight loss and not the other way around, but in humans, it's, it's totally unclear. So weight loss induces browning, yes, but we don't know whether it's causative in the weight loss or whether it's just happening because we are losing weight, right? 
I, I could go into it with a bit more detail. It's a complicated question. One argument is that uh, if you lose weight, you have a lot of excess lipolysis, and it could very well be that the brown fat is also necessary to get rid of the excess lipids. So in that case, it would make sense that the brown fat is a secondary event to weight loss and not just to drive weight loss. But it's a thought, right? It's, it's not proven and we have to work more on that. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.